Evernorth Health Services, we believe costs shouldn't get in the way of life-changing care. And we're doing everything in our power to make it possible. Behavioral health solutions that also keep your projections at their best? It's possible. Pharmacy benefits that benefit your bottom line? It's possible. Complex specialty care that cares about your ROI? It's possible. Because we're already doing it. All while saving businesses billions. That's wonder made possible. Learn more at evernorth.com slash wonder. Why is it that with sparkling water, I'm always playing guessing games with what flavor I'm drinking? Is it citrus? Is it aluminum can flavored? Mm, not sure. Sparkling ice, though, they really mean flavor. Like in-your-face flavor. Orange mango, black raspberry. Don't even get me started on the strawberry lemonade. Kiwi Strawberry slid right into my taste buds DMs last night and let them know who's boss. No subtleties there and no sugar either. But it does have vitamins and antioxidants. Find sparkling ice at a major grocery store or club retailer near you. Sparkling ice. Anything but subtle. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it <clears throat> a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com system. Welcome to Independent Americans. Welcome to episode 216. I'm your host, Paul Rykoff. It's been another hard week in America. Another hard week with another catastrophic and horrifying school shooting. And as spring finally begins in America, this is an especially critical time to stay vigilant. Door, door, with me, with me. Hold the door. Next. Open it. I got it. I got it. Let's go. It's happened again. Another shooting massacre in another American school. This time in Nashville. And that's the body camera footage from Officer Michael Colazzo. He's 32 years old a nine-year veteran of the department, and a Marine Corps veteran. And the father himself of a young girl. And he is a hero. He was a helper. We say that all the time on this show, look for the helpers. But there's no better example than Officer Michael Colazzo. And that's also true of Officer Rex Engelbert, 27 years old and a four-year veteran of the Nashville PD, who was also in that video. He was one of the first officers on the scene, and you can see him on body cam video calmly getting his rifle from the back of a police SUV as a teacher outside breaks down the situation. He moves in, 
He leads, he acts, he's another helper. Every cop in that operation, in that stack, answered the call. And they saved lives. True heroes run in when everyone else runs out. Officer Michael Colazzo and his colleagues are heroes. They didn't wait for bigger weapons or for body armor or for more support. They went in tactically to save lives. And they undoubtedly saved many. Keep pushing. Go. Shots fired. Shots fired. Shots fired. Move. Right, right, right. Push with LPVO. Push with LPVO. Go right. Move, move. Watch out, watch out. Move. Stop moving. Stop moving. Watch left, watch left. Suspect down, suspect down. Hey, hold the air. Now that footage is intense and it's graphic and so are the sounds you just heard. But this is our reality. And that was the reality for our children. And in that reality, there were leaders who stepped up while others cowered and failed. And coming up, we're going to break it all down with a legendary special operations recon marine and tactical trainer who's been in situations much like that many times. And he's trained many more. We're going to dig into what those cops did right to save lives and get you some tips on what you can do if you ever find yourself in a similar situation and learn about ways you can help, ways you can lead. Because in 2023 in America, it can happen in any town, in any city, in any school, on any day. In this spring of 2023, no matter where you live, Gun violence can reach out and touch you. And stakes is high. And true leaders lead when the stakes are the highest. Just like officers Colazzo and Engelbert, they saved lives. And we'll never know how many. And we may never know the true heroism of those that died. The children were identified. They were Evelyn Dykehouse, Hallie Scruggs, and William Kinney, all just nine years old. And the murdered adults were identified as Cynthia Peake, a substitute teacher, age 61. Mike Hill, 61, a custodian. And Catherine Kuntz, 60, who was the head of the school. Every one of these school shooting massacres is a tragedy. And every one of these school shooting massacres is unfortunately an opportunity for leadership. And these cops have inspired the world with their courage in the face of unimaginable terror and danger. They were leaders who stepped up while others cowered and failed. And at this critical time in our country, at a time when kids are being gunned down in schools on a weekly basis, 
Some are failing to lead in ways that are almost incomprehensible, like this guy. Three precious little kids lost their lives, and I believe three adults, I believe, is, and, um, and the shooter, of course, lost their life, too. So it's, it's a horrible, horrible situation, and we're not going to fix it. Criminals are going to be criminals, and my daddy fought in the Second World War, fought in the Pacific, fought the Japanese, and he told me, he said, buddy, he said, if somebody wants to take you out and doesn't mind losing their life, there's not a whole heck of a lot you can do about it. That's Congressman Tim Burchette of Tennessee's 2nd Congressional District. As someone who's seen combat myself, unlike Representative Burchette, I can tell you there's a whole lot you can do. In Iraq, when I was a soldier, we didn't just accept that suicide bombers were going to kill us, and we can't accept the same about school shooters. And Representative Burchette's lack of leadership is a key part of the problem. And there's more. Do you think there's any role for Congress to play to, in reaction to this tragedy? Obviously, this is your state now, sure. but it's happened in every other state. Oh, it's happened. It doesn't matter what state it's happened again. It's we're all Americans. It doesn't matter the color of their skin. And they all believe red, That's, and they're bleeding a lot. Um, I, I don't see any real role that we could do other than mess things up, honestly, because of the um, situation. It's, um, uh, like I said, I don't think a criminal's going to stop from guns. You know, you can print them out on the computer now, 3D printing, and there's really, I, I don't think you're going to stop the gun violence. I think you you got to change people's hearts. You know, as a Christian, as we talk about in the church, and I've said this many times, I think we really need revival in this country. Can you imagine if your kid was shot this week and this is the response from your congressman? He thinks there's nothing more he can do. It's shameful. Lead, follow, or get out of the way, man. He should resign and let a real leader take his place in Congress. There's one thing he's right about. We do need a revival, all right. We need a revival in real leadership in Washington. But wait. There's more. What should be done to protect people like your little girlfriend being safe at school? Well, we homeschooled her. But, you know, that's our decision. Some people don't have that option, and frankly, some people don't need to do it. I mean, they don't have to. Um, it just suited our needs much better. Yes, and of course, his kids are homeschooled. Commenting on school shooting policy while your kids are homeschooled is like voting to authorize combat operations for a military your kid isn't serving in. It's long past time for leaders to step up. Leaders with experience. Leaders with skin in the game. And it's long past time for America to start treating mass shootings as the true national security threat that they are. And I've shared it on this show. It's long past time for a war on guns. I went deep back in episode 198 with Anya Kemenitz if you want to go back and check that out. But as we covered then and we're reminded now, we lose over 45,000 Americans to gun violence every single year. And gun violence is now the number one killer of kids and teens in America. More than car accidents. Let that sink in. We had a war on drugs to lock up millions of people for just possessing marijuana. We had a war on poverty that we lost badly, and we had a war on terror that swallowed our country's focus for two decades. And we'll go much deeper into that coming up in our conversation. But nothing now. Kids continue to die, and we don't have a strategy to fight back. Our national strategy right now is to surrender, to let the enemy just keep coming, 
to let the enemy just keep killing, killing our kids, killing our parents, killing our friends, killing our neighbors every day and in every way. And there's no national response to fight this enemy. No war on the terror of 2023, the terror that is gun violence. But that's the level of national security focus we need now to protect our fellow citizens and to protect our children. It must be identified and prioritized as a true national security threat. And every day that we don't, our enemies are celebrating. We need a plan to fight back. We need a national, national security-focused strategy from all parts of government and society. We need a war on gun violence. But in the meantime, as our leaders continue to fail, the shootings just continue. But there are things that we can do other than just surrender. And our outstanding guests coming up will give you some ideas. But before we get to that, a couple quick hits that need to be on your radar. Speaking of shooting, and shooting without congressional leadership and accountability, yo, America, did you know we're conducting combat operations in Syria? I'll bet most of you didn't. Because this week, the U.S. launched airstrikes in Syria after a U.S. contractor was killed and five troops were injured after a one-way unmanned aerial vehicle struck a coalition base near Hasaka in northeastern Syria. According to the Pentagon, the drone was Iranian. So there were American troops wounded and shots fired in Syria, and most of America didn't even see it. Defense Secretary Austin commented that at the discretion of President Biden, I authorize U.S. Central Command forces to conduct precision airstrikes tonight in eastern Syria against facilities used by groups affiliated with Iran's Islamic Revolutionary Guard Corps. So we hit back at Iranian proxies in Syria, and most of the media didn't even cover it. Two of the U.S. troops were treated on site, and three others and the injured contractor were medevac to coalition medical facilities in Iraq, where, by the way, the U.S. also still has 2,500 soldiers, in addition to the 900 or so in Syria. See, this is all possible because this is the type of war that most Americans don't even know about, and Congress doesn't seem to care about. And it can happen in large part due to the AUMF, the authorization of the use of military force which was established for Iraq back in 2002. We've covered it on this show for years. And there's actually some good news on that front. The AUMF is one step closer to repeal. The Senate voted this week to repeal authorizations from 1991 and 2002 for combat operations against Iraq, moving with broad bipartisan support. Now, it goes to the Republican-led House for a vote. But the vote was 66 to 30 in the Senate. And this is a pivotal step to reel in unlimited war powers by Republicans and Democrats and independents. 18 GOP senators join this effort in support. And it's a very big deal. And we'll continue to keep you updated. So, despite the chaos in our schools and the chaos in Congress, something substantial might actually get done in Congress this spring. And we're going to need it. Because there's chaos in America, and now there's chaos in Israel. If you haven't heard, civil unrest has been breaking out across Israel for the last week. 
after Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu fired his defense minister for criticizing the government's radical judicial overhaul. There were protesters in the streets, universities shut their doors, union leaders shut down stuff, and it was tumult all across Israel. And the divisions within the society were widening and penetrated deep into the Israeli defense forces, which is a problem for everyone and pretty much the last thing the world needs right now. But it was a patriotic demonstration of opposition against not the status quo or the system, but defending the status quo and the system, defending radical attacks. So what it really was, was a protest of the moderates in Israel, the political center that was pushing back against the fringe. It was a revolt of the reasonable. And that's vital. This shows what independence can do in Israel. And they can do the same here in America. And they must. Because the threats are internal, external, and worldwide. The airstrikes in Syria aren't the only threat we faced. You probably also didn't know this, but North Korea launched two short-range ballistic missiles as the U.S. aircraft carrier Nimitz sailed towards South Korea for a drill with Seoul. The North Koreans have staged 11 rounds of missile tests so far this year. So as missiles fly around Korea, the war continues to rage in Ukraine, and so does the threat to the biggest nuke plant in Europe. I've talked about it before. But the Zaporizhia nuclear power plant in southern Ukraine is the largest in Europe and remains in jeopardy. There's been fighting all around the facility. It's caused fires and equipment damage, and there are legitimate and major fears of a nuclear catastrophe. At one point, they were resorting to emergency diesel generators just to keep the place running. And after tons of unanswered calls for the establishment of a safety zone around the plant, The chief of the U.N. Nuclear Watchdog Agency is finally scheduled to go there this week. So keep this on your radar. Adequate security is not coming to that nuke plant. But reinforcements are finally starting to come to Ukraine. As the Ukrainians bravely hold out in Bakhmut in the east, the logistics from Western allies are finally catching up. So as they wait for American Abrams tanks and Patriot missiles, they're getting a Passover and Easter gift in just a few weeks. Spain will deliver the first Leopard tanks to Ukraine just after Easter. Spain is sending 6 out of 10 Leopard 2A4 tanks that it pledged to Ukraine, and they'll get there right after Easter. Yep, you should keep all this on your radar. Because the Easter Bunny is still a few weeks away. And while my kids get excited for the biggest infusion of candy since Halloween, 2023 is a dangerous time to be celebrating any holiday anywhere in the world. In Ukraine, in Israel, in Iran, where protests continue, in Afghanistan, where the Taliban still rules and girls can't go to school, and inside American schools, where no child is safe anymore. As we face the very real threat of violence, not only overseas, but inside every community in America, inside every school in America, We're all looking for leaders. We're all looking for the helpers. Helpers who will rise to the dangerous moment. Like real-life superheroes. Like Officers Colazzo and Engelbert. And like our guest in this episode. He's an incredibly inspiring man I've known for almost 20 years. He's a leader I've been motivated by for decades. He's a real-life superhero. A real-life 
Iron Man. He's the amazing and incredible Rudy Reyes. Rudy Reyes is a real-life superhero with a real-life superhero origin story. He's been to almost every one of the countries I've mentioned and many more, but he started with the humblest of beginnings. He was born on an Air Force base in Missouri in 1971, while his father, a U.S. Marine, was fighting in Vietnam. His parents got divorced, and with his mother unable to look after him and his two brothers, Rudy and the boys moved around Texas, staying with a bunch of relatives before eventually settling with his grandmother. Tragically, four years later, both his grandparents passed away within the same year, leaving Rudy, who was only seven years old, and his brothers floating throughout the Midwest and eventually four years later saved by the Omaha Home for Boys. Rudy and his brothers would stay at that boys' home until he was 17 when Rudy emancipated himself and took formal custody of his brothers. Rudy was a wrestler and a football player. He had a deep affection for comic books and for heroes. And he started to study martial arts, training in Kung Fu, winning championships multiple times. All the while, he worked all kinds of jobs, like construction and bussing tables, while simultaneously training as a kickboxer and trying to provide stability and discipline for himself and his brothers. And in 1998, Rudy was watching a film covering orphans in Kosovo whose parents were killed by snipers. Rudy, at the age of 26, was compelled to do something to help. And he enlisted in the United States Marine Corps. That's where his superhero story goes to a whole nother level. Maybe as he Rudy started out in the Marine Corps as an infantryman, graduated as an honor guard and the Iron Man of his boot camp in the School of Infantry, and he got an opportunity to try out for recon. The Reconnaissance Marine Corps community is only 300 strong, making it the most prestigious and difficult group in a Marine Corps of 300,000. He became a Special Forces operator and got schooled out, paratrooper, combat driver, demolitions expert, scout sniper, closed quarter combat, SEER training. He was a fully schooled-out recon Marine. And his first combat reconnaissance mission was in 2001 in Pakistan. He would fight al-Qaeda in Afghanistan and in 2003 in Iraq. The events Rudy experienced are what the HBO series Generation Kill was based on. His last act of combat was the Battle of Fallujah and Ramadi in Iraq in 2004, where he was a senior team leader and experienced a brutal fight that took the lives and limbs of some of his closest buddies. Rudy finished his service a decorated Special Forces operator with the experience of leading over 50 patrols behind enemy lines. His areas of military experience are in close quarters battle, urban warfare, amphibious raids and reconnaissance, helicopter insertions and extractions, paratrooper and combat diver missions, clandestine sniper missions, as well as plainclothes or undercover operations. He's a badass, 
and he's operated in every environment from urban to mountain to desert. And he's also launched a career in entertainment. He's been on a number of different survival shows like Apocalypse Man and Ultimate Survivor Alaska. And he was one of the main contributors for the excellent documentary series Once Upon a Time in Iraq, which was nominated for an Emmy. And this fall, he was the star of the Fox reality show Special Forces, The World's Toughest Test, where they pushed 13 celebrities across a grueling special operations type of training with a group that included Anthony Scarmucci, Carly Lloyd, Dr. Drew, and all other kinds of random celebrities. Rudy's been there and done that. And his most proud individual citations are not for taking lives, but for saving lives. There was an incident where a man was having a heart attack on a civilian flight, and Rudy stepped up to perform emergency CPR and treated for shock. He got the Navy Marine Corps Achievement Medal for that. Rudy Reyes is a real-life superhero, a real-life Iron Man. He's going to help us understand what happened inside that school in Nashville, what's happening inside America, and what's happened since the Iraq invasion that he helped lead 20 years ago, and what's happening inside the heart and soul of our country right now. Rudy's going to motivate you, not just to survive a tragedy, but to thrive on life to help you become your own Iron Man or woman. Rudy is a true warrior poet, and he's here to make us all smarter, stronger, kinder, and better. Welcome to a conversation about tactics about the tactics of confronting a school shooter, but also the tactics of confronting life. From our politics, to our pain, to our triumphs, to our soul. Welcome to a conversation with a true superhero, a true Iron Man. Welcome to Independent Americans, episode 216. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it <clears throat> a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com system. With Kizik Hands Free Shoes, motion sounds something like this. Kizik helps you experience the magic of motion. With over 200 patents and easy on, easy off technology, you'll never have to touch your shoes again. There are hundreds of styles and colors, plus a squish like nothing you've ever felt. For a limited time, get a free pair of socks with your first order at kizik.com socks.
Ladies and gentlemen, independent Americans around the country and around the world, happy spring. I am going to give you a dose of positivity, energy, and patriotism that will take you into spring with a fury and a fire. Uh, I am so happy, privileged, excited uh, to be joining us on the podcast. Finally, the great and powerful Rudy Reyes joins us on Independent Americans. Welcome, my friend. My brother, thank you so much, man. That, what an incredible introduction. And uh, that passion, that fire since we first met, brother, it's still freaking burning. It's still burning. And I love the title of your show, brother. So thank you so, so, so much to have me on. Well, dude, we've, we've known each other almost 20 years now. Yeah, it's brother. a long road. And I, I, I love something you say all the time, that positivity is contagious and energy is contagious. Yes. And just being around you, man, I'm already feeling that. And I know Thanks, anybody brother. and watching is feeling that. And it's just, it's always good to see you, man. Thank you, brother. You know, life is a garden, brother. Dig it. Dig it. You know, it's been fantastic. I've I've been watching and, and been a part of IE, IAVA in the early days. I've seen what you've moved forward, uh, um, making better policy as it concerns veterans. And, uh, and really, veterans, we're Americans. We're Americans. And your show is about Americans. And we come from uh, all backgrounds. We have different colors. We have different religions. But we believe in the red, white, and blue, brother, because there's no better country in the world that supports personal and individual self-determination to bring your dreams to life. And I see that more and more as I'm getting older. I'm sure you reflect back as well. Um, our country is um, sometimes it's hard to recognize. Uh, when we were wearing the uniform and fighting, um, we, were, we were so much more together. However, still, brother, there's an American exceptionalism uh, with, with the young generation coming up if we can keep giving them guidance and inspiring them. Mm. And that's what we're doing. Well, that's what you every day you do every day. I try to talk to important, inspiring, and iconic Americans. You are all of those things. Thank but let, you, me also, let me also ground us in a question I ask of everybody, Rudy. Where are you and how okay. are you? All right. I'm in South Carolina. I'm in Lexington. Uh, and it's, it's country and, and I live in the country, uh, to, uh, kind of give me a buffer space between New York, LA and Miami, London, because I'm working in the inter entertainment business now. And I've got a couple of shows, got another one coming out on history channel soon as well. So I'm working a lot in the media and a lot of, um, my heart, my soul, and my image is out there for the world. So when I come home, I come home to my lovely soon-to-be wife, Jade Struck, my big German shepherd that I play with all day long, and he still never gets tired, and my two cats. Uh, so this is my, um, my fortress of solitude. Still good old country folks. I'm looking out the window right here. I see two, three American flags. Uh, I love it, brother. So I, 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 am, I am here at home, um, and I'm home in my heart as well. We talked couple days ago, uh, preparing for this. And I said, yeah, brother, it's so good to be home. And at least you and I and men and women like us that were coming off the battlefields of Afghanistan and Iraq, Pakistan, those of us that had the wherewithal to keep moving forward, we didn't know where exactly the path would take us, but we kept moving forward. Mm. And that journey is a little bit longer than we expected, mm. but that journey was worth it because we are back home. Mm. And I'm, I'm honored and excited to be on that journey with you. Thanks, brother. I want to I talk about a lot in this conversation. I want to talk about 
Iraq 20 years later and Generation Kill wow. 20 years later. I want to talk about the, the, the show you did on Fox, World's Toughest Test. I want to talk about generally the, the state of America and and your work at Force Blue. I want to talk about this love of your life, Jade Strzok. You, <laughs> like, you two are like living superheroes. But I really, why I wanted to get you on right now is because of the, the breaking news out of Nashville. Right? Yes. And, and I've been meaning to get you on the show for a long time, but I felt like this was the right time for a number of reasons, but especially because um, we see these school shootings and and everybody is horrified by them. Everyone is outraged by them. But those of us in the military community see them differently. We understand what's happening differently. And I wanted to think about who in my community, who in my friend group I could talk to to help people understand the tactical elements the things that professionals see, and you have such exceptional, exceptional experience across Force Recon, a trainer, operator around the world. Um, this is this is your ex area of expertise. So, we've seen most folks have seen the footage. If you haven't, you know, there's body cam footage now from two cops who enter the building. Nine uh, folks are dead, three kids. Um, but these heroes, in my view, stepped up to the plate and responded in a way we really haven't seen before, and we haven't seen that intimate from police with this kind of footage. Um, but I wanted to get your view, Rudy. I'm just going to sure, give brother. you the ball and ask you, you know, if you do an after action review, what yes. do you see unfolding there in, in Nashville? Well, the first thing I noticed when looking at the footage is the parallel of police action to combat footage. This was a combat op and was approached with the aggression and the decisiveness of combat. And why that's so important, and to my civilian brothers and sisters, sisters out there, my citizen brothers and sisters, why that's so important, and please don't be scared of this topic, um, why in our combat arms in the, in the military and in our special operations communities, um, aggression and, uh, and assertiveness is so important is because it saves lives. We are not bullies. We understand by taking charge and dominating battle space and moving as hard and as fast and in a coordinated fashion to the gunfire, we can then neutralize that threat. And um, every second counts. Lives are on the line. I was very, very impressed uh, with these men, this ad hoc HRT, hostage rescue team slash um, direct action team. It was ad hoc. Uh, also very, very impressive. Um, I had a feeling, and I just had it confirmed by Ronnie Atkins from Funker, that there were military men involved. The, uh, the ad hoc ground force commander, uh, the policeman that you hear saying, I need three, I need three at the door, and breaching and moving his men through and saying, you know, clear, clear, all right, let's go, let's go, and driving the train. They get to the stairwell, he holds the long axis on the hallway. We don't know if the shooter has uh, doubled back and is now downstairs and could engage those police as they're moving up the stairs. And after his three gunmen go up, he falls in a trace and he's pushing. He's pushing his men. He's pushing his men. You see him going down that hallway. And this, this, this got me choked up. Uh, Jade and I were watching this. This got, got us choked up. These little baby backpacks yep. hanging on the side of this school. And... And I got goosebumps right now thinking about it. These men, uh, these policemen, these heroes, they pushed themselves. Uh, and you could hear the gunfire going off. It was an assault weapon. Uh, the shooter had a, uh, a uh, assault 
rifle style uh, assault pistol and a, a handgun. Um, and, uh, you know, there was some serious fire, firepower and serious danger. So what? That is pushed to the side. Let's get into the fight. And I was incredibly impressed with the, uh, again, the communication, the yep. aggression, the assertiveness. Uh, really, really amazing. It seemed, uh, it reminded me of, of, uh, of the verbiage used in SOTG when I was doing my first close quarter combat training. Um, simple direct commands, and you must keep initiative. You know that as well as I do. Yeah. Initiative-based, brother. Uh, when you lose the initiative, uh, then you lose everything. They took the initiative, and from, what, 15 minutes from the call, they got their squad cars there, and two minutes after the breach into the, uh, the school itself, they had located, closed with, and destroyed the threat by fire maneuver, and I was very proud of them and mm. very impressed. And uh, um, I, if without that decisive action, there would have been so many more children killed. Uh, look at the, the compare and contrast to Uvalde. Yep. Uh, they had 100 officers plus, and they were stuck in fear, and they were paralyzed by fear. Uh, it just goes to show you, and I knew it when I heard the man calling it out. That was a Marine with nine years uh, service and, and combat service. That Marine took charge. Imagine more veterans in our police and our uh, first responder forces, more veterans. Somehow we got to make a program so that all schools mm. have a, 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 an indigenous police force for them. And now this may sound like military state. So what? This is the state of the union that we're at now. Let's, instead of holding on to old doctrines and old ways of thinking and, and, uh, and things that don't serve us anymore, I sound like a, my therapist with me with my bad relationships, <laughs> right? I sound like that. Well, let's get rid of these bad relationships and let's carve new relationships. Mm. Um, never has this country been more, um, never has this country had so much um, wealth um, never has this country had so much opportunity for anyone to improve themselves. Never have, have we had uh, such a better time to be alive in the world. Yet, because we are struggling as a society and as a nation, um, we are struggling with our soul. What is missing is soul. Mm. Um, the mm. military is having a very hard time um, meeting their quotas for for recruitment, uh, church and God and uh, family units are falling apart. Uh, in this modern world, people are so obsessed with these things that mm -hmm. their, their identity is wrapped up in a manicured image that they make of themselves and they're stuck in some kind of adolescent narcissism. And they could be 50 years old and they're still acting like 13 year olds. We need to come back to what made this country so, so special and how somehow in World War II, brother, fighting in Europe and then my illustrious Marine Corps out there in the Pacific, it was freaking do or die, brother. And we made it. And we made it. And then, and then we came back. And then we built the most amazing industrialized nation that this world has ever seen. And then, and then we worked out um, our struggles and, uh, and our um, uh, injustices and indifferences of different races in our black community. And, and by the way, I'm Mexican-American, I'm Latino. I work the fields. My family came from South Texas and my family's from Mexico. I am first generation. My father's a Mexican citizen, uh, Marine Corps, fought in Vietnam. Um, and although, uh, you know, I'm kind of 
uh, fair-skinned. Um, uh, there's been many people to build this country, the Chinese, uh, the, the Blacks, the Latinos, um, the Europeans that came over here, like Charles Bronson, Lithuanian, who mm. wore a dress till he was eight years old because there was 11 freaking kids and they worked in the coal mines. Mm. And then he went to fight in World War II, Three Purple Hearts, Bubble Gunner. Mm. So there's plenty of, if we want to talk about pain and struggle it took to be uh, an American and make this beautiful country, we all got some of that. Why are we focusing on all of these so-called injustices to a society right now that's never had it better? They need to freaking get uh, spiritual with it and start making actions to uh, bring their lives to life. Not pointing fingers. I want to say this is young people and I don't care how old they are, they could be 50 years old and still young because they're stuck in the Messiah complex where they think they are the savior and it is their job to react or what is the word that activism, get out of here, man. You need to freaking act more in here. First of all, if you don't know how to run and swim and do martial art, um, then, then you don't even know who you are or your body is. You don't even know what you've been graced with God to have right here. If you don't know how to write poems and sketch, how about we start there? Can I, can I you pause you there, Rudy? Because this yeah. is like, thank you for all of that. Yeah. Is, for those of you that don't know Rudy, there was the full Rudy, right? Like yeah. he, he touches on so many things that are important that are happening around us and speaks to me and I think this country and people of all kinds in a very powerful way. And there's a lot in that I want to pull apart. But yeah, I yeah, go ahead. Bring, I want to bring it back to to that 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 scene in 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 Nashville with these yes. cops, because I think what we, you talked about soul, right? Yes. We saw soul. We oh. saw we saw leadership, and then we saw we saw tempo, right? They were controlling yeah. the tempo, so the enemy couldn't control the tempo. That's then we right. saw training. Like yes. really good training where you could have different guys who hadn't worked together. They fold into a unit. The leader takes control and moves them off of their training. And then you saw courage, Absolutely. right? And I think that's what so many people are responding to is when you see the full body cam footage, when the guy's walking in and he pulls yes. his rifle out of the trunk and he says, yes, ma'am. And he starts moving. Yes. All of that, all of that shows you what kind of person he was and yes. the way he would, he knew the moment was there. He yes, knew he might die. He knew yes. he was still going forward down to moving through the backpacks, which is something that, you know, makes me shiver because I've got a seven-year-old yes. and a four-year-old that you know, are right now in buildings that look just like that a couple That's blocks right. away from me, right? So That's we right. hope that people will respond with that kind of courage and, and training in the moment. Yes. And they did, right? So I was explaining they sure it to my did, wife. brother. I was explaining was... it to my wife because I do think the country needs to understand that we could hear that was a long rifle, right? That that yeah. was an AR or was an AK, right? Yep. And you could hear the difference between the pistols and the other moments. But these guys had no helmets. They had, some of them didn't even have body armor. They stepped into an open area and engaged a target. They didn't know how many there were or what they were holding. And they stood out in front and took the shots, right? Yes, brother. Assuming they would probably take shots back at them. So of I just course. want to ask you to like, you've been there. You've been yes. that guy. You've lost people in moments like that. Yes, yes, we can you, have. Can you just maybe talk about what all of that means? I can tell you what's going through your mind. Yeah. What's going through your mind. Um, sense of individual self is put to the side to an overarching duty. Yeah. 
And this is that spiritual element and that, uh, that we are all one element. Children's lives are on the line. Uh, children uh, are killed. And this must stop with me. And the only way is that my personal safety must be put to the side. Mm. And as the Marines, uh, Marine Corps, we say, we don't ask what or why. We only do or die. And those men pushed and pushed and pushed. And you could also see um, the combat stress. The noise is going off. And I mean, it's right out of combat, brother. I mean, it was a combat uh, operation. Therefore, these men were under combat stress. That did not deter them. What did they do? They expanded their consciousness as much as they can, had clear communication, and kept pushing themselves and driving forward driving forward um yeah you know we talked about the 20 year in anniversary of generation kill um yeah 20 years i have my reunion coming up for the invasion of iraq in 2003 and uh cha after nazaria we went through this little side town called called uh um and we were engaged on both sides and we barely made it out with our life we chopped our way through this village dropping down buildings freaking close quarter combat uh we blasted this t intersection and and the vehicles that were in front of me hit the sock and started sinking. Now the enemy's uh, shooting over our heads because we're uh, in defilade, but they're uh, maneuvering to us. Um, my job as an assistant team leader is security. So I grab two of my men, Brunmeyer and, and Chafin, and I run to the berm to engage those men across the street. As I'm running, and the, and the rounds are snapping and it's bedlam. There's, there's fire and there's amazing heavy guns going in and out. As I'm getting closer to the berm, I'm now weasel walking a little lower and we're running and, and now we're getting to the berm and now I'm crawling. And as we crest that berm crawling, I'm watching the, the, the enemy right across the street at this gas station right here, shooting into us. And I'm thinking, this is it. Uh, or you know, I'm thinking, goodbye family, goodbye, love you, boom. I'm here, and right before we engage, I, I say to Chafin, uh, make sure nobody freaking flanks us. Watch our three o'clock, go, and then we engage. But and there's a moment of where my life, our lives, are secondary to the greater good, which is all of us. We are fighting to protect all of us. And that's what these, these police officers did in such a beautiful and humanistic way. Mm. An incredible example of human love and courage in which an individual is put to the side. And what we're doing is is fighting and protecting mm -hmm. the, the collective. It was absolutely. I, I'm so grateful for the way you talk about things and and the expression of love. And I, you and I have talked about this for decades publicly yes. with each other, with others. You know, it, uh, my friend Todd Bowers, who you know, used to always say, "Everybody asks me, you know, how many people I killed. They never ask me how many I saved." That's right. Bro. Right. And and there's an expression of love that you see in that when you really think about it. Especially, you know, I was I was ex explaining to my wife. When they don't know what to do, they keep moving to the sound of the guns. Yes. Right? And, and that's what civilians may not understand is that these guys just kept moving to that sound, right? And, and to the point where he was actually pushing them in the back. And I want to ask you, Rudy, because you train so many people, you talk to so many different audiences. Folks do want to know this. You're a father. You, you know, yes. you train so many kids. Um, for people who are saying, what do I do in a situation like that? If I'm yes. a student, I'm a teacher, I'm a janitor. I'm not a cop. I don't have a weapon. What do I do? How do you advise people as an expert on all of this in, in those moments? 
you will see first, uh, okay, first and foremost, I know it's, this is not a surface-driven concept. This is a purpose-driven concept. Um, all you moms and dads and teachers and janitors out there, make sure you're on that stair stepper. Make sure you're getting your ste steps in. Making, or make sure you're doing your combat yoga and your body weight exercise. Your physical fitness first, because with physical fitness, you can bring your heart rate down and you can grab kids or people who are wounded and move them out of there. You must get off the X. You must get off that X. If you are not armed, you must get off the X. And so that being said, when you work at the school and, uh, and you're in a position of leadership, because every adult at school is in a position of leadership, take time for rehearsals of how you're going to move out of these places when you're in these certain areas of the school. And just uh, role play a little bit and stay fit, stay calm, and get off the X and get as many kids as you can with you off of that X. And when you say X, you mean the spot. At right? the spot, yeah, the kill zone. Kill zone. Yep, yep, get off the X. Also, every um, uh, everyone could definitely uh, improve themselves by doing getting their CPR and first responders uh, training. Um, I put uh, I put a, a Marine that had a through and through bullet wound uh, right underneath his body armor and his belly, and I was the first one to get on him. And with uh, with my great training, I was almost on autopilot. I don't even really remember consciously. Um, well, I'll say this. I'm a very uh, empathetic person and I love animals and I don't like s suffering. And I, uh, and, uh, you know, I, you know, emotional parts of movies, I always, always start freaking crying, you know, but because of my training, so much practice, when I got on that Marine, I just went right into my, my, um, uh, my mental checklist. Hey, buddy, I just did everything I did in class. Hey, buddy, everything's going to be okay, buddy. Yep. All right, I'm going to roll you over, buddy. And I look for his exit wound. And then boom, my medic's there. All right, give me occlusive bandages. I need some Curlex. I stuff in the Curlex, slap on an occlusive bandage. It's okay, buddy. I roll him back over, put another one, freaking pressure bandage, uh, proper square knots with freaking, um, with uh, securing uh, overhands. And, and um, I would find out, I would find out months later, when they got him to Germany, the surgeon were like, the surgeons were like, wow, what medic did this? You know what I mean? And then somebody said, a jarhead. They said, no way. <laughs> so, so get your training, get your medical training, stay fit, and know that in this modern world, for some reason, our emotional and spiritual uh, injuries and sicknesses is, is uh, uh, infecting people to think it's okay to go to schools and to hurt children. Mm -hmm. So all of us need to take, take charge and be um, individual battlefield commanders of our lives. That's, that's my advice. That, that's, there's so much good in that, man. And, and you know, I've, I've said to my son at times, like, you know, don't be scared, be prepared. And there's well more you said, can do to prepare brother. yourself for that moment. And even just the focus on first aid, CPR, you know, basic life-saving, that's important, and most folks don't have it. And they don't right. realize that you may not be the one who tackles the gunman, but you may be the one who can put a, you know, put a tourniquet on or that's do right. CPR to save somebody's life, right? That's and right. That's that, right. that focus is really important. And I also have to thank you because, you know, some of my friends who are Medal of Honor recipients, um, and I think Paul Buca used to remind me that every time a Medal of Honor recipient or any veteran or anybody who's been through trauma shares a story, it hurts. And you have been so courageous and so consistent for decades now sharing your story. And that takes courage. And I know it, 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 
it makes you endure some pain. And I want to thank you for that. Thank and you, also, brother. you know, building on that, ask you, I mean, you are one of the most famous people to come out of Iraq, right? At this point now, you're known around the world. You, 20 years ago, you played yourself in Generation Kill, the, the brilliant miniseries, you know, the great book by our friend Nate Fick um, <laughs> that really will define, I think, that experience for generations to come. It's 20 years later since our war started, man, one of our wars yeah, or a part of our war, however we frame it. 20 years later, what are, what are your reflections? What do you want people to know, especially young people that maybe don't remember it and maybe weren't even alive? I know. So, you know, I was on the ship, brother, with Nate Fick. He was the grunt commander, and I had my recon platoon when the, when the towers were hit. So we went in to take Kandahar back in 2001, and, and the perspective, it's so interesting in our hearts. Parts of us remember it like yesterday. I remember it like yesterday. And it's hard to believe it's been over 20 years since the global war on terror and 20 years since the invasion. Um, you know, there was some time, uh, Paul, about 10 years ago, I was contracting by then doing some counter-terror work in Africa. And, and uh, I was in that nebulous contracting world and we had some very um, amorphous and, and cloudy foreign policy when it came to Iraq and Afghanistan. Shortly after that, ISIS took over Iraq and I was, I got, I fell into a very dark place, brother, because of all the blood and all the love that my men and I gave to the, our Iraqi people. The, some of these people were absolutely wonderful. All my Kurdish brothers that fought alongside of me from Northern Iraq and, um, and, and the ambition to give these people more than they've had before to have a chance at having paved roads and their kids going to school kids going to school without, without their lungs getting infected from all the dirt and dust. And when that was taken away and our foreign policy did not back up our heart policy, which mm. is to make these uh, Middle Eastern people, give them a chance at something really special for themselves. I felt that maybe my service and I felt that maybe my mental and emotional scars and physical scars were worthless. You know, I, uh, one of my dearest friends, Eddie, lost both his arms with me out there. I lost uh, my idol, First Sergeant Smith, out there. And um, you have Ka uh, my, my recon brother, uh, Dave um, Caruso, out there. So many, so many, so many. And I, th and I got in a very sad place. Like, what did we do it all for? We gave it all. You know, I still can't sleep at night. I still am depressed when I wake up. And I developed an alcohol and a drug problem. It was really, really hard, brother. Actually, I didn't even care. I was, I, was, I was a dead man walking for a while. I felt like my life meant nothing because what was all this sacrifice for? And um, now, years later, after creating Force Blue to bring my men together, doing ocean conservation, all of us SOCOM combat divers, uh, to do something with our skills, I, started, I, I realized, wait a second, we're special. We're special people. We're special just to freaking uh, take the oath and sign the contract. There's something special about us. I had to be reminded of that. I had to remind myself. And then by having the rest of us around each other and doing something with our skills, we remind one another and it started to grow. It started to become quantum. I look back now and I see what a beautifully ambitious thing it was for young men to go out there with the rifle and in, and in the gun truck, soccer balls too, and 
and, and move out into villages as a, as a strong point and a, a mobile fob and also treat the locals with our medicine and help them with their water pumps. Uh, and from me doing, uh, uh, you know, uh, uh, direct action and surreptitious insert sniper missions to then uh, moving into protecting uh, villages for elections. Mm -hmm. It was incredibly ambitious. It We didn't have the follow through with our country, but it takes nothing away from the love and the ambition and the, and the hope that we had for Afghanistan and Iraq. It takes mm -hmm. nothing away from it. That, that's, what, that's what I think of now. I've been so looking forward to hearing your thoughts and, and to hear that because it, there's so much in there that we can unpack and digest. And I hope folks replay that, that, that response um, a couple of times. I mean, the, the imagery of the gun trucks with the soccer balls. Yeah. Right. And, and the heart policy and the political foreign policy like that, that's yeah. it, man. Like you're nailing yeah, it. Right. And, and all of us that wrote through it and, and candidly, man, I remember seeing you around that hard time. And, yeah. I, and I remember, you know, we've seen each other a lot at different points over the last two decades. I was in New York. Remember, we bumped into each other in New York, and I was very underweight. Yep, very underweight. I remember. I remember. And I remember, you know, the community, man. There were points when, like, I think I said to somebody, I was like, we need to, Rudy's not in a good spot now. Yeah. And there's been times when I've been that guy. And there have been times you, other guys have been that guy, right? And it kind of goes around. Everybody gets their turn for the most part. Yeah. If, 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 if you're you know, if you're out there, if people catch it, right? And some folks don't get caught by the community and we've lost folks in that in that journey too. But man, you've been such a, a powerful role model and, and especially in, in your candor and your powerful vulnerability. I'm, I'm always grateful for that. And I'm glad we got to talk about all these components. Let's talk about, you know, going from all that to that mind fuck, right? To yeah. a different mind fuck where you're in the Middle East on a massive Fox television show <laughs> doing special forces world's toughest test. I mean, anybody who was watching football this year saw the ads and saw the, yes. probably saw, saw there's Rudy again, still yes. looking pretty as pretty as you were 20 years ago. Thank you. Right? You're, and, and you're training, you know, you had Mike Piazza and Anthony Scarmucci and Dwight Howard, and then, you know, Carly Lloyd and yeah. Hannah Brown won the whole thing. Right. And I, yeah. I think, you know, if, if I were a, betting person. I was like, I'm betting on Carly Lloyd because I'd watched her her whole life. I said, maybe that's someone I'm betting on. But how do, what, what are your reflections on that process? Because you're, you're also deep in the emotion of all this, but also the yes. entertainment component where mm -hmm. we're trying to communicate those stories through entertainment. And you've been in, in all of that. So what, what, what are your thoughts now that that show is wrapped up and you're moving into new projects? Yeah, you know, you know, brother, I think that's I was so blessed to get the get the call. So it, it, Special Forces is built off a very successful UK show called SAS Who Dares Wins. So a few years before then, their chief instructor had uh, some, some struggles in, in, which, in how he was conducting himself. So he was removed and they called me. And I think it's because the mixture of warriorness, the empathy and the understanding of how to convey emotion and story media and it was nothing short of a miracle i have been with esas now for three years i've i just got back doing two seasons in vietnam which was like my birthplace my mm. father after fighting his uh, two tours in vietnam because of what he could not deal with and what he carried with him home 
he was never in my life. I never even knew him. He eventually died of heroin and, uh, and set me on a trajectory of, of homelessness and, and being an orphan. Uh, yet something inside still had, I was still drawn to serving. I was still drawn to serving and getting back to Vietnam and going through these freaking mountains and through the jungles and beaches all over us and, and the hundred percent humidity at all times. We it rained there for eight days straight, brother. The whole place was flooded production. They were afraid of people getting electrocuted. Uh, so a Vietnamese uh, uh, assistant was uh, bit by a cobra. I mean, this is freaking amazing though. It was real, it was real and I was back full circle. And now I'm doing media and TV yeah. and the biggest shows in the world. And it's because as a young man, we were idealistic to sign a contract and, and, and give the oath that full circle being um, honorable and, and humble in the grace of, of God and that you're able-bodied to do something with it can lead to dreams coming to life. Mm -hmm. I think that's a message our veterans and all, all people and young people need to know that the, the more your character and your, your um, ethics and your humble nobility about doing what's right, as, as you create more of that in your life, it may be a hard life for a while. Why? Because your, your standard is so high. But full circle, oh my goodness gracious, the gifts that it gives mm -hmm. back to you the bounty you receive from doing the right thing, especially when no one's looking and, and enduring some pain, misery and suffering uh, and front loading some of that freaking humble courage to do it anyway, it will come back full circle brother. Mm -hmm. So now we're gone. We've gone to series. You will, I can't tell you where we're going next. I'm doing the recce in two weeks. Um, it's been nothing short of amazing. I do SAS for the UK. I do special forces world's toughest test for America uh, I've got a new program coming out on History Channel in a couple of months. I can't tell you the name, but it's really badass. Uh, I, I guess you know how all the young people know me now is the video games. I am yeah. I play myself yeah. in the in the Call of Duty. Yeah. I mean, wow, uh, it's pretty <laughs> wild, brother. Um, uh, you know, continue be uh, continue to be the very best um, person that you are inside. Uh, and carve out that character. And although the pain and struggles that come from being a beautiful person, they freaking cut, carve you out. They carve you out, man. And you feel like one day there's going to be nothing left. But K Khalil Gibran said, with the, the daggers of pain and suffering and, and uh, love lost, um, all of the hollow they carve from you is the vessel in which you can hold the waters of love and life. Mm. And that's where I'm at now, brother. Mm. I've never been happier. I've never been more together. I've got my lovely Jade struck. I have two beautiful children, um, um, uh, 13 and 10 years old, and they're doing amazing. And now I'm finally in a space to be there for them. Career is going good. Health is going good. And, uh, and service never stops, my man. Mm. Service it's never an, stops. It's an inspiration, man. You're, and you're wearing, folks who are watching, you're wearing a, an Iron Man shirt. Yeah, brother. I got as, my as Marvel superheroes. As I hear you talk about this, and, and my boys are obsessed with Iron Man, like, 
you'd make a great Iron Man. You know, maybe maybe if, if, if Robert Downey Jr. is going to pass it over and they need someone else, that might be the next evolution for the Rudy Reyes origin story. But your origin Marvel story... superheroes, here I am, brother. Yeah, I yeah. Am. You know also, my agency. I'm at APA. You guys can call me. <laughs> but also, man, you, you know, you are so special that you were special no matter where your journey took you, whether it was Marine Corps or some other way. There's this special thing inside of you that's just blossomed and evolved over time and all those empty vessels that are filled with that water now are like shooting all over the place and helping others let me ask you you mentioned jade struck the two of you look like superheroes you're just this badass couple everybody should follow you both on social media and watch what you're doing and can you tell folks briefly about uh force blue because this is the next chapter for you an exciting chapter something that i'm passionate about i know my kids are excited to hear about but tell people about force blue fantastic forceblueteam.org we are a nonprofit, a veteran nonprofit that uh repurpose special operations combat divers to do ocean conservation of all sorts we started with rebuilding reefs and treating reefs uh then uh and then tagging um tagging turtles and rescuing turtles, getting them to hospital. Um, and then uh, hydrographic surveys and, and creating artificial reefs as hurricane detection points with, with sensors. Now we have a mammal program where we're teaching dolphins to help us in reef restoration. Uh, it's absolutely fantastic, brother. It started with, uh, with, when I was struggling out there in New York, last time he saw me out there, I bumped into a buddy. And this is why art and life are so important. I bumped into a buddy that I worked with on a film um, when I first got uh, uh, out of um, uh, HBO, when I was doing HBO, Generation Kill and such, when I first got into this business, I knew nothing. He, uh, he noticed I wasn't doing so well. And he said, hey, I'm going to dive in the uh, Caribbean. And you should come with us. I'm like, brother, I don't have a job right now. You know, I don't think so. And, uh, and I hadn't been diving except as a combat diver my whole career. And that's uh, under uh, immense stress, subsurface in the middle of the night with rebreathers, weapons, rockets, communications. And then when you get to the beach or to the cliff, uh, you know, you, you got to be prepared to fight right then and there. And it's, it's immense. So he brought me there. Um, he, he footed the bill and being underwater and look at these gorgeous animals and societies because a reef is a society, the hypertrophic mm-hmm. cascade and every being on that reef has a function and they all, they all are pursuing their very best to have babies and to eat and to protect babies. And they all, uh, and they all by working together, even though there's competition, they keep the place healthy and everybody is in balance. And, and this, uh, this beautiful underwater society was, uh, it was in danger of being destroyed. Not just climate change, but uh, sh- shipping and also uh, uh, cruise liners. They bring in their, their um, uh, anchor and it destroys a lot of this gorgeous mm-hmm. reef area because mm-hmm. everybody wants to do tourism at these beautiful places. Right. So, so there had to be a balance. And I, and I said, we've got to do something. If, be- if these are being torn apart, if these are dying, like we men and women that pick up a rifle and go fight for others that can't fight for themselves, I've got to fight for these, these beautiful oceans. I've got to fight for these beings. I've got to fight for the innocence that I'm witnessing here. And I think it was, it was uh, 
stoking something deep inside about the children that I worked with in Iraq mm. and Afghanistan. It's something about this innocence. I had to do something about it. So I brought Roger Sparks, I, uh, all of these badass commandos. Roger was my um, uh, recon mentor and the, now the highest decorated pararescueman of all time, Operation Bulldog Bite. He chopped the 82nd Airborne guys out of there, a pararescue. Mm -hmm. Amazing. I got a uh, British Royal Marine Commando. I got Will Hanks and Recon Marine. I got some SEALs. I got some Green Berets. I got some CCT. And we built a program. Finest scientists in the world. This is what makes it so special. We have the NFL and Pepsi. We've got big business. We've got scientists who are warriors in their own right, who at first thought, who are all these freaking gorillas? Uh, <laughs> they, they, you know, face eaters on the boat um what do they care about these beautiful animals and creatures these guys you know are freaking warrior killers and they found and we got so close we recognized we we're both we're all warriors fighting for, for goodness and to protect the innocent mm. we have become such a magnificent team science veterans uh um uh, corporate now uh we have worked on uh capitol hill so with VOC Rehab, all veterans, all veterans can take their VOC Rehab, get their diving certification up to uh, advanced open water, and they can come to our missions and do on-the-job training with us and become Force Blue Divers. And when you become a Force Blue Divers, we fly you out, we equip you, we do the hard, we all do the hard work subsurface. You make your 350 a day, you get your per diems and building, and we work out every day and we talk trash every day too. <laughs> and and this we, is, and this we is, save the planet. This is, this is uh, you know, Iron Man's not enough. This is like the whole Avengers crew. And then like, you're kind of Professor Xavier and you're building yeah. a school. But then also like you're cut, maybe, maybe Iron Man's not, maybe you're Aquaman, right? And we need you yeah, to be brother. Aquaman. And this reef is kind of maybe, you know, a, a, a better vision for America. Like the yeah, synchronicity. Brother and the love and the leadership. And I, you know, I wish you were president of the deep and president of America and made president of the world I because you're that, doing brother. so much to be just sharing your, your enthusiasm and positivity and your lessons learned and your deep heart, man. You're just, you're overflowing with heart. And I'm so thankful to have you uh, as a friend. And I'm thankful that you joined me on this show. Finally, I hope you'll come back. You're going to stick Absolutely. around for a couple extra fun questions for our patreon members if you're not you a patreon it. member you want to be one now because you want extra rudy yeah. everybody wants extra rudy but my friend you're 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 a great human and i love you, you so much and i'm so excited to see you thriving and i'm so grateful for how you continue to give back you're really a role model and an example for for everyone thank you brother i love you brother and i'll be sticking around my man excellent stay vigilant rudy Send you got it baby i mean I, how many cups of coffee do you drink a day none or like a hundred yeah, yeah, yeah you know what i only have one this morning but i get <laughs> i wake up fired up ready to attack the day i have so much to live for um and you know i wake up jade's already jade's already been to the range and uh she's running her henry rifle and and her pistol draw and her she's so i was on uh, rob o'neill's podcast the other day and at the end of the podcast is so how does it feel rudy to be the second fastest shooter in your household <laughs> i said dog you know what i am accurate but when you're 51 these eyeballs uh get a little uh, tough to you, you know you sent me a picture you sent me a picture of yourself over text and, and without no shirt on you're 51 years old i said i'm gonna spare you sending me a picture of myself with no shirt on but you continue to inspire us and Thank it's all you, contagious brother. it's all love we love you so much rudy reyes stay vigilant my friend
raw. Ladies and gentlemen, there you have it, the great Rudy Reyes. The helpers are out there, and Rudy Reyes is a beautiful example. Check out all the shows he's been on, follow him on social media, and check out RudyReyes.com for more of all the projects he's working on, including his work to save not just our communities and our children, but to save the planet. He is a true helper. Always look for the helpers. There will always be helpers, you know, even just on the sidelines, because if you look for the helpers, you'll know that there's hope. When you're online, check out the hashtag look for the helpers on Twitter, on Facebook, on Instagram and share yours with me. I will continue to share those and we will continue to look for the helpers. When you're on social, be sure to play guest to guest every Wednesday night. Last week, only one person got it. And surprisingly, it was not our Iron Man of Guess the Guess. It was not Delfino Sanchez. Delfino had this to say. He said, Paul, this photo looks familiar. However, I feel like Jeff Prost telling Survivor CBS participants, I got nothing for you, Forrest. Any chance it's the great and powerful Matt Zeller? Stay frosty, my friend. No, I'm afraid it was not Matt Zeller. Great guest, Delfino, and we appreciate you playing, but you actually got one wrong. So maybe there is a chink in the armor That is Delfino Sanchez. But somebody who didn't get it wrong was my old friend Dave Dickerson from Oklahoma City. He's an Iron Man of his own, and he correctly guessed our friend Matt Gallagher in the last episode. If you haven't checked that out, please do. And play guest to guest every Wednesday and send your questions, your recommendations, who you want to see on this show. And check out more, of course, at independentamericans.us. When you're there on our website, you can see all the conversations I've had with Iron Men and Iron Women for over 200 episodes of this show. And you can join our patriotic, fantastic, powerful Patreon community. Shout out to all our Patreon members, the new ones, the old ones, and the ones that are still to come. Please join them, support this show, and support this movement. And every Thursday, you can also support us by checking out News Nation, where I join Marnie Hughes for my weekly segment on national security, vets, and political stuff. That's every Thursday, 1115. Check your cable news dial or newsnation.com. And I'll also post the conversations always on the website and on social. And... Every Friday, we'll do a Zoom lunch chit-chat. We will talk for 30 minutes, do a quick-fire, rapid-fire series of questions. You can fire away. You can join me. We might have some special guests every Friday at noon. Check the link in the show notes here. Find it on social. You can chat with me. I'll take your questions, and I'll share insights and behind-the-scenes from the show. It's every Friday. It's a chance for us to chat. Please spread the word and check the link in the show notes. And, of course, please hit us up on all the social media platforms, and most of all, Please subscribe to this show wherever you're listening to it right now and share it. Do all the things you can do to support this podcast. You can be a helper. Do your part to help us continue to drive this movement of Iron Men and Iron Women all across this country. This week in Nashville, we saw the power of leaders rising to the moment to deliver with the biggest stakes possible. In the darkest of times, they shined in ways that will never forget. That's what leadership is really all about. March is almost over, but the madness isn't. 
as I suspected, it came in like a lion, and it's going out like a lion. But before it does, we get one shining moment of an escape from the gun madness, from the war madness, from the political madness, for a good kind of madness. The madness that is the March Madness Basketball Tournament. And this has been the best one ever, with player after player and team after team capitalizing on that moment, that one shining moment. Time and time again, March Madness, the greatest sporting event of the year in America and maybe in the world, has delivered. It's been moment after moment like this. Oh, because you've also dominated the offensive glass. Chances are you'll get more than one opportunity. Crawford for the lead. That was Gonzaga coming back in the final seconds against UCLA to move forward to the Elite Eight. And this year, the underdogs are all that there are. Not a single number one or number two seed is left. Everybody's bracket is busted. And the little guys are ruling the day. This is the first time since seeding started in 1979 that no teams from the number one, number two, or number three seeds have made it to the Final Four. And this year features three teams that have never been in the Final Four before at all, making it the first year with three first-timers since 1970. Number five, San Diego State Aztecs are going to play the Florida Atlantic University Owls. If you don't know where the hell that is, it's a school that's in Boca Raton, Florida that was started in 1961. And on the other side of the bracket, it's the number five Miami Hurricanes, also from Florida, against the Yukon Huskies, which this year are only ranked number four. So it'll be another great Final Four, but not dominated by the normal leaders, but instead by the upstarts, by the independents. And the same can happen in our politics. The underdog, the upstarts, the outsiders can blow up everyone's bracket and win the day. That's what can happen in the next few years in America. Our independent movement will have our one shining moment soon. And then we'll have many more and we'll really start to roll. Cause inside you know Because we're not alone in our independence. America may be more divided than ever before, but at Independent Americans and Righteous Media, we're working to change that, to add light, to contrast the heat of all the other stuff out there. So if you're among the 50% of Americans who are independent, this is your show. Or if you're just independent curious, we invite you to join us and be a part of the solution. Our independent movement is the superhero and the underdog, the team of believers like San Diego State or Florida Atlantic University, united around one mission, people over politics, light over heat, fueling a new movement that spans all across the country. And that movement continues to grow. I hope you enjoyed this episode with the great Rudy Reyes. If you did, please let him know and please share it far and wide and invite others to join us and declare their independence. And stay vigilant, my friend because eternal vigilance is the price of freedom. 
And no, you're not alone in your vigilance. We are all vigilant. And we're all in this together. From San Diego, California, to Boca Raton, Florida, from Miami, Florida, to Stores, Connecticut, to Nashville, Tennessee. I'm your host, Paul Rykoff. Thank you for listening. Down with Putin. Slava, Ukraine. Stay vigilant, America. And enjoy the final four. Just media.